Welcome to APQC's podcast. I'm Holly Lake Hoagland, Principal Research Lead for Process and Performance Management. I'm joined today by two of our speakers from APQC's 2022 Process and Knowledge Management Conference. Both speakers are part of our Solving Business Problems track, which explores applications of process management to business outcomes like a successful merger and acquisition or boosting the customer experience. We're joined today by Tony Benedict, the president of the Association of BPM Professionals, and Alex Rocher, the director of corporate marketing at Endress and Hossler Group Services, to talk about their experiences applying BPM to solve specific business problems. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Um, I got a handful of questions that I want to talk to you guys about, about how you've engaged the business using process um, and applying it into kind of real world problems for the business. Um, Alexander, I want to ask you first for this one is, so how do you make sure that process is solving the right problems for the business? Thank you, Holly. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good question. And how do I be doing it? Well, actually, you know, for us at Andres and Hauser, we are now running the business process management for a third attempt. And the question, obviously, why have we been that successful for the first two times? It's actually really linked to the question. It's basically, we have identified that our focus on BPM was the first two times purely on driving excellence, driving um, productivity, driving efficiency. And we have seen, yeah, are we now really succeeding when it comes to the business? So therefore, now we just started two years ago with a further tent. And what we have changed, basically, is that we link process management processes much stronger with customer experience. And we link it much stronger with strategy implementation. So when we measure processes now, we are strongly connected to customer feedback. Customers are telling us where we need to improve processes and so on. And the same applies towards measuring the strategy implementation. And with that, we have a much better visibility, transparency that we, based on customer feedback, based on strategy implementation, we feel that we are definitely heading in the right direction to fix the problems towards the business. So a lot of it is previously, it was kind of abstract concepts that are really, really broad, like that idea of productivity and efficiency. Um, but now making it more tangible by tying it to something that's important to the business, which is that customer experience, which also then helps you get, link it to the strategy and show mm-hmm. that tangible value. Um, Tony, how do you make sure that process is solving the right business problems? Well, thank you, Holly. Um, first and foremost uh, is focusing on performance. So how is the business performing with respect to the customer? And, you know, obviously uh, you hear a lot of people say, well, you work backwards from the customer. Well, that's still true. Um, and uh, depending on what the value stream is, if it's uh, uh, plan, planning to fulfillment, order to cash, whatever it may be, um, is how is it performing? And is it impacting the customer? Um, are orders being filled on time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, really just looking at if you take a 30,000 foot view, there should be some obvious things that, you know, stick out. Um, are you missing data? Um, what data is, 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 is missing? Um, is, is, the, is the process performing? If so, um, 
then what 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 else could it be? But it, usually it's not performing. Um, there's usually a, a problem with, uh, you know, again, if you're in manufacturing, it's, it tends to be order fulfillment um, or you run out of inventory all the time, what, whatever it may be. And you have to back into that and figure out, you know, what, why is that happening? And then uh, obviously when you get into the details, you find out, but at a high level, you should be able to figure out what's really going on. So it sounds like for both of you, it's really taking that customer first perspective and then working backwards into some of the more traditional process management approaches of, of looking at performance gaps and identifying the improvement opportunity and what, what's the best fit then for that, but keeping that customer perspective at the forefront. Okay, thank you. Um, so Antonio, I'm going to ask you this one first. So what was the one thing that you did to get people in the business excited about process? Well, Holly, that's a great question. And to be honest, um, I can't say there's one, one way to do it because I'm still working on how to do that. And, you know, a lot of people think process is all about workflow modeling and it's really beyond that. And the, and the, the, I think the bigger issue is it's a, it's a perception problem. And people who perceive process as being all about workflow modeling tend to view process as being very boring and they're not interested, you know, or that's not what I do or whatever. And, um, you know, that's always a challenge. When, when you approach it differently and you bring metrics into the discussion and you say, uh, what's the order fill rate? And if they don't know the answer, then they, then they start getting interested in what do they need to know to, to get the answer. And then you can really get them excited. Or if they know what it is, you can say, well, what it, what, why is it so low? And then there, and then you can find out whether or not they have problem solving skills, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when you get them involved uh, in, in a different way, whether it be problem solving uh, what are the metrics, you know, et cetera, uh, people tend to get more engaged, um, especially if it's, um, if, it, if they're closer to the customer, you know, manufacturing is not that close as say uh, order fulfillment, but um, they're still fairly close to the customer. That sounds like there's not like any one true way in your experience that you've, uh, that have happened, but it's always kind of what I always like to let say is make process something that happens with people rather than to them um, is, is kind of like the magic approach there is, is identifying what is their pain point and, and empowering them to be part of the solution and, and, and feel that they have a voice to say and things along those lines. Is that kind of accurate how you put that? Well said. Yeah. Well said. Okay. All right, Alex, um, what about you? What is the one thing that you have done to get people in the business excited about process? Yeah, well, I, I guess we had a pretty same starting point like for Tony. When we, when we started with our program in November 2019, you really saw that, yeah, there was a perception of, okay, let's do this modeling again. Let's talk about these workflows again. And yeah, it was not really super exciting for the folks, I have to say. <laughs> Um, but what we have done now in our program is, again, coming back to this customer experience and coming back to the strategy implementation. We are connecting all 
relevant workflows directly with the relevant touch points of our customers. And we measure at the same time the customer feedback. So we are linking process data with customer data. And our people say, oh, cool, now I know what is my impact to customer satisfaction. What is my impact to this customer? And they really like it. So it, it gives really another dimension. And also to the topic about the strategy implementation, we also use processes to measure strategy implementation where all employees can say, now I get it. I really see how and where I contribute to strategy implementation. And this is, I would say, the big game changer we have done. And so far, we really get the people excited about this process thing, <laughs> going beyond this workflow modeling. Yes. <laughs> it takes a special kind of person, probably very similar to the three people on this call, to really enjoy the workflow and the modeling. Um, and it sounds like also similar to Tony is the measures and the data and really helping people connect data to what they do. So they feel that they're having an impact. And I love the fact that you guys are connecting your journey map with your processes and tying those data together. So there's that clear cut path to show what value do I bring in, the, in this big machine. And, and then that makes, it humanizes the customer, it humanizes the person involved in the role. Um, and it really then kind of helps engage that purpose perspective. Thank you. Um, the next question I have is, so a lot of organizations get seduced by technology, as we know, as a magic bullet to solve all the business's problems. How do you emphasize the importance of the people and the process, Alex? Well, Holly, we, we definitely said right from the beginning, it's not implementing a new tool. It's not talking about now which is the process language, the methodology we are applying. We clearly said from the very beginning, it's a people program and nothing else. Because we're dealing with a certain change. Mm. And this change, we definitely said, we are heavily investing in, in the change concept. To, and we offer a lot of platforms to the people, making them clear, hey, it's again not about this, this, this workflow. It's not about we're implementing a tool. It's not about controlling you. It's really about a collaboration with each other. It's really about learning with each other and so on. So and this is why we really have produced a lot of networks. We have a community set up. Everybody who has a need to talk something who has concerns is open for any discussions. So that was for us very important to really not think about, I'm now stuck in this technology. It's all a technology thing. I have to learn about methodology. No, it's about a human being. And so far we have, we have quite succeeded with that. Yeah. Right. Focusing on the people and the connection and the collaboration. Um, and a lot of times, even if you're automating a process, for example, you're, you're affecting how somebody's executing their work. And so you have to keep that people first perspective. And, and make sure that they, they are comfortable with it and understand what's going on and have their perspective on it as well. Um, Tony, for, for, from your perspective and your experience, how do you make sure that you emphasize people and process rather than kind of just rolling out a new technology? Um, yeah, I guess I, I kind of focus a little bit more on, the, on what the business problem is and ask them, what what they think the root cause of the problem is and most of the time they will not say it's the technology um and uh you know i also 
try to emphasize how important it is that people, you need people to, to actually use technology. So unless you get the people part right, um, you know, the technology is not very useful, especially if it's a newer technology that requires a lot of training for people to really understand what it is, how to use it, what problem it solves, et cetera. Um, and, the, and people perform the work and work is process. So uh, people will get grounded in that idea. Um, I haven't found anybody that doesn't understand that. Um, there are a lot of technology people that just seem to think that putting the software in solves the problem. And I, I'm not afraid to confront them in a very, uh, you know, diplomatic way and just say, explain to me how you're solving the problem. And uh, they, they, when they struggle, you know that um, they, you could see it in their face where they realize that the technology is not the answer. So from either of your perspective, I know a lot of people try to like say roll out automation without doing current state TV, TV analysis or anything like that. Um, and so they wind up having a lot of rework, either they, the process isn't executing how it should be or how they think it should be. And they don't have all the nuances of the business rules and the variations and the right that from, from, you know, engaging people. Is that something either of you kind of dealt with? Is that directed to me? Um, um, sure. Either one I, of you can answer. Sorry. Oh, okay. you Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, people being people, right. Um, you, you could sit there and you can ask them one simple question. How many people have been on a technology implementation project that, that has failed? And you'll get 70, 80% of the people raise their hand. And then you can start the discussion as to why they think it failed. And there's always, you know, dozens of reasons why. But the point is always that you don't lead with the technology to solve the problem. You have to have the people part figured out first, in my opinion, because if you don't have the skills and competencies, simple things like uh, critical thinking and problem solving, and, and then go beyond that, right? Um, you don't have the skills and competencies, then um, they won't understand really how to solve problems. And process is always at the heart of it because it's the work that's being done. And so those discussions tend to be very productive with people. Um, I've, I've not had the problem convincing, especially technology people, that they can't lead with the technology, right? Right. So uh, I, I know 20 years ago, that was, I wouldn't have said that, <laughs> but uh, to, today you can say it with confidence that it, 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 it's, it's a different world. Right. We've learned some of our lessons over the last several years as we've been doing a lot of these new technologies to, to supplement or, or replace specific processes. Um, and so people have learned, oh, no, I've got to do a lot of rework if I don't lead with the people in the process, um, that it's not, it's not going to kind of execute how I want and not to even consider the fact that even bots have to have a human manager, somebody that manages their execution and make sure that it's done effectively. Alex, do you have anything else you would add on that topic? I just can confirm what he said, you know, in, in, in Germany, we say a fool with a tool stays a fool. 
and and this is the point you know so it's it's definitely problem solving you need a certain amount of creativity uh, tony mentioned that you need the skills and capabilities to solve things and so on uh, we, we we consider technology in some areas as an as a facilitator as an enabler supporting things but not as a driving part of it yeah. and so on so it's it's basically a confirmation of, of what tony said yes <laughs> i think uh I think that's quotable, Holly, what Alex just said. A fool with a tool is still a fool. <laughs> I did write that down on my notepad. I'm going to have to like give you some credit uh, on that one. I love that phrase. All right. So the last question I have for you guys is, um, I'll start with you, Tony. How do you show the business that you're providing value in the context of the work? I know some of the work you've done has been in using process for M&A. Um, how were you able to link process to the value of that business um, activity? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and, and in general, um, it goes back to uh, performance and how you measure performance with respect to the customer. Specifically, when you get into mergers and acquisitions, uh, essentially, when you buy another business, you're buying it um, to integrate it into your business, whether, whether you're buying a similar business or it's a different business where it might be a different division, but you still have to integrate it into the company, you still have common processes. Uh, and I always like to use order to cash because people can relate to that. So that order to cash process is what generates cash flow. It's how you measure uh, whether or not orders are being fulfilled, customers are paying, you know, et cetera. And so you have to look at how the business is performing, how you're measuring that. And people, um, I think, struggle when if, if you can't take an enterprise level metric and cascade it down to the person working on the front line, then you need to fix that problem. And so that's how you demonstrate you're providing value to people on the front line. They know exactly what they're doing is going to impact the company. And so there's ways to do that, obviously, but that's the, probably the most important thing. Um, and, it, and in M&A, usually um, you, have a, you still have a high failure rate. It's still over 70%. The failure happens between 18 and 24 months after the deal closes. And so it tends to appear uh, when the business starts bleeding cash for whatever reason. And it tends to go back to, again, um, what, what's going on with the customer or orders not being fulfilled, whatever it may be. And so how are you measuring that? And if you weren't measuring it to begin with, then you're really not providing any value. You're just, you know, kind of uh, treading water. It sounds like, for, especially for, for the M&A example is, I mean, with an M&A, you're bringing two organizations together, um, usually some kind of integration. So you're going to pick some form of standardization of the process. And part of that is working through that and identifying those measures for the process in the group that's being put together. And then again, making sure that it sticks and that it's doing the work that it's supposed to do 18 to 24 months out um, and, and seeing that it's still working. Is that kind of an accurate summary? 
Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, in a general context, absolutely, Holly. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then also that whole business, the value to the business part goes back to what we've talked about. And a couple of points here, which is lining up the lower level processes to the organization's strategic or enterprise goals and making a clear path on connecting those things and how they fit together, either from the customer or the organization's strategy or balanced scorecard or whichever approach they're using. Okay. Alex, um, from your perspective, how do you show the business that you're providing value in the context of their work? Thank you, Holly. Yeah, um, for us, within Andres and Hauser, you know, um, I have to mention a bit that we have grown heavily in the last um, 15 years, heavily. And, and we also see in this company that we are still very functional driven. Functions dominate. So the value discussion for us is, is actually very strong, holy in a topic about decision making. Mm -hmm. How did we how did we make decisions in the history and how do we want to make decisions in the future? And it's I guess not the case only with in, in our company, decision making, there are also proven studies. It's 80% is on feelings and on experiences, and 20% is on rational. And I'm not saying that feelings and, and experiences are bad, but we challenge the ratio of 80 to 20. So what we want to do is we want to form teams and with more transparency, um, with more data in mind, we want to have better proof in decision-making front end because you never know where is the decision directing and so on. So for us, it's very important. We show value to make decision-making clearer and faster and, and have more proof and I would say also a good feeling behind the decision at the end to say, okay, I get additional information which supports my decision-making process. And we also do this now more cross-functional and cross-entity. And we get good feedback there that, yeah, I feel better with a decision I have to make today. <laughs> yeah, that is basically the main message, I would say, about the, the main value behind. Yeah. We just did a, a project last year on a strategic alignment uh, or strategic alignment and organizational agility. And what we found is more organizations, I think it was like 45%, I believe, are starting to use process measurement as a major input into their strategic planning processes. So they're actually taking that, that objective data that we've, we again, we've talked about multiple points in this conversation and how important it is and embedding it into how the organization's working to help them identify their capabilities, what they can do, um, identify opportunities for improvement, whether that's an incremental process improvement or a large scale um, objective for the organization in general. So I, I, it makes me have a lot of hope in the world because um, I know organizations have really, really struggled with this gap. We're really good at standardization. We're really, really good at documenting things, putting them on paper, engaging the business to do that. But when we start assigning measures to those processes and then managing them objectively, that's where so many organizations have a big gap. So it sounds like once we can get through that big gap, we can provide a lot of value just in general. Um, so, and that was all the questions I have today. Um, I know both of you have uh, great uh, sessions that are coming up at the conference. Do you have any parting words of wisdom or something you would like to, uh, you know, advice for other, you know, other BPM teams that are trying to kind of help solve business problems for their companies? 
Well, I don't know if it's a very wise one, but but always say implementing such a program going for business process management setup. I always say this is not a sprint; it's a marathon. It's basically what I always say to the people: you need a long breath. It's not something happening in two weeks. People have to follow that, and you need the people on the ship, not swimming next to the ship. So it's really a long, long, long run. It's a marathon, not a sprint. That's basically what I say. Right. Tony, do you have any uh, parting words for the topic? I would echo what Alex said. I mean, it's a journey, not a destination. I mean, people tend to look at it as a project and then once it's done, it's done and it really is never done. Um, And then the other thing I would say is business process management is alive and well. Um, There was, uh, I think a lot of people back maybe five, 10 years ago said BPM is dead. It never died. Um, it, it, it just, it's the technology people trying to market something new. Um, but, uh, it's alive and well, and actually it's, it's the resurgence of it is, is phenomenal. And I will say that there are some really great technologies out there that if you know how to use them and where to use them and when to use them you can make a, a major difference in your company, but you have to know and understand and be a BPM practitioner to be able to apply them. I think those are great uh, words of wisdom. As we know, it is a journey. It never ends to an state or another because the business is always changing. The environment is always changing. Um, new solutions become available. Um, you have to take people with you. Um, like you said, they can't be swimming along the side of the boat. They have to be on your team. Um, technologies are great, but they're a tool in our toolkit that we can apply effectively. And I think the point is that we get BPM is not dead. And I think it's actually had a great resurgence over the last three to four years. You know, we see more and more process teams focused in supporting strategic objectives in the organization directly connected to the strategy or to a business transformation office that is also executing all of these, because at the core, it's what people do, how they work. And that ultimately means process. So Thank you both for your insights and the great conversation. Um, And thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, uh, please subscribe to APQC's podcast and visit apqc.org to learn more. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Mm